We're back again. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh. We are here to give you episode five in the Ahsoka series here today. Big, big stuff goes on. For all you nostalgic Star Wars fans, we got something great for you here today. Even for your new Star Wars fans, I still think it's a, a very enjoyable episode. Really excited to run through it. Last week, Chase took you through episode four, so I'm going to be the one in the pilot seat today taking us through episode five here. And, you know, before we go ahead and jump in and get started, I'll turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words. Yeah, man. If you like nostalgia, you're going to like this one. And that's all I'll say. Uh, cheers, Malice in the Chalice, brother. And I'll let Jay Nelly, this one's all you, man. Take it away, brother. Sounds like a plan. All right. So. The episode opens up with a camera pan of the red-leaved forest, the stone pillars, and the waves crashing around from where Ahsoka was knocked off by Balin's skull last episode. We've got Harrison Dula and Captain Carson Teva landing at the stone pillars and searching for Ahsoka and Sabine. Uh, Hera tells Captain Teva to do a full sweep and report back, and that's when Jason, which is Hera's son, asks Hera if he can come out of the ship, and she agrees, but tells him to be careful and stay by Chopper, the droid. So they hear a noise, and Hera signals Jason to stay, and she pulls her blaster out, and she starts walking towards one of the stone pillars, and and as she turns around it, we see Hu Yang there. He's standing there holding Sabine's Mandalorian helmet, and he says, I told them to stay together, but they never listen. They never listen. And the camera pans over to Jason. He's looking out into the open sea, and I I wanted to just make note of that because there's a little more that meets the eye with this, this kid. So at this point, the title sequence hits, and the scene moves to a direct continuation of where last week's episode left off with Ahsoka in a sort of spiritual realm with her old master, Anakin Skywalker. They joke about each other's appearance and age, Anakin tells her that she lost a fight and that's why she's here, and she doesn't remember it at first, but then Anakin says, trust me, you lost. And it seems to jog a memory because then she says, Balin's skull. And Anakin tells her that it's good that she remembers because it means that she still has a chance to live. And Ahsoka asks what's going on, and Anakin tells her that he's there to finish her training. She says it's a little late for that, and Anakin responds, no one is ever too old to learn, Snips. And so she asks Anakin what the lesson is, and Anakin activates his lightsaber and says, live or die. And Ahsoka tells tells him, I won't fight you. Anakin replies, I've heard that before. And he swings his saber down to Ahsoka, and Ahsoka pulls her saber out to block the attack last second, and they begin the duel full out. At this point, the scene shifts back to the stone pillars, and Jason is still looking out to the sea. Hera asks Hu Yang if he has anything, and Hu Yang tells Hera the map is broken beyond repair, and they've got no hope of following its destination. They discuss a possibility that Ahsoka and Sabine are on that ship that left and that the potential outcomes become less and less desirable as each moment passes. From here, Carson Teva and Harrison Dula talk about the risks of not reporting in and having people asking questions and then not having the answers. And that's when Jason calls out to his mom and he tells her there's something strange about the water. So she comes over to look at the water and he tells her there's something out there and that he can feel it. And from here, Carson Teva essentially tells Hera that they need to prioritize what they're going to tell command. And Hera says that she'll handle it and that she'll use her rank. And that's when Jason's he's not letting this go. This boy's like tells his mom to come back and listen. And Hera's like, all right, I'm, I'm listening. And Jason says, Hera asks, what are we listening for? And Jason replies, don't you hear it? And Hera says back, the wave's crashing? And Jason says, no, the lightsaber's. And so they both tune into the sounds, and you can hear the waves crashing, but just underneath the waves crashing, you can hear what sounds like lightsabers clashing, and Hera hears it now too. So she tells Karsten Teva to get his squadron on airborne, and she needs him over the ocean at low altitude and do a full sweep. So Huyang tells, because Karsten Teva's like, well, what just happened? And Huyang tells Carson that Jason has abilities and that his father, Canon Jarrus, was a Jedi. That's a big thing here. Hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about Canon Jarrus because he's, he's important to a few characters in this series. So from here, the scene cuts back to Anakin and Ahsoka battling it out with lightsabers. Again, it's this blow for blow. It's a really cool visual on screen, but Ahsoka is able to land a strike kick to Anakin in the head. And Ahsoka says, looks like you don't have much left to offer. And Anakin says, well, I haven't taught you everything yet. 
and he pulls out the old dirty move of cutting the platform off beneath her and she falls down like a pink mist and it was really cool and when she lands she gets up and she realizes that she's in a flashback of the Clone Wars when she was super young back on one of their first missions together she asks Anakin why they are there and he says you tell me and Ahsoka replies that she doesn't understand and Anakin tells her that that's her problem like you don't understand so, and I think this is pretty cool too. We start to see the development of the lightsabers that she uses because the ones we see in this series are dual lightsabers that are white or maybe a hint of yellow where the first uh, saber she pulls out here is one saber and it's a small green saber. And she asks about what her training is and Anakin tells her that this is her training. So the smoke clears a bit and Ahsoka is looking at some of the casualties of war and she's giving comfort to one of the troops. And Anakin says, come on, Snips, the battle isn't over yet. There are more Separatist droids approaching. And she doesn't really move. So Anakin asks if there's a problem. And she tells him that, well, we've lost so many. He tells her there's always a price to be paid. And she blames herself because they were following her orders. That's when Anakin tells her that the Jedi may lead, but that doesn't mean they never make mistakes. And she's concerned because she replies back that their mistakes end up costing lives. And she asks if that bothers him. And he said, of course it does, but they have to adjust to the times that they're in. So she wants to know if that's all she'll ever have to offer is to teach her Padawan one day only how to fight. And Anakin asks her, do you even want a Padawan? He tells her that being a teacher isn't all it's cracked up to be. And it seems like she's learning that in the present day, that being a teacher isn't all it's cracked up to be because she's having trouble finding the right way to reach Sabine Wren a little bit. So back to some dialogue between Anakin and Ahsoka. Anakin says, listen, I'm teaching you how to lead, how to survive. And to do that, you're going to have to fight. And Ahsoka asks, what if I want to stop fighting? And Anakin replies, then you'll die. And he walks away from her and activates his lightsaber. And in the smoke and the dust, as the lights and shadows come in and out and they change, she sees Anakin's silhouette with the blue saber turn to Darth Vader's silhouette with the red saber, then change back again, and it was super badass. And so I want to pause here, Jason, and ask you, when you saw that first change in the silhouette between Anakin to Darth Vader, how did that make you feel, and what did you think when you saw that? That was fucking awesome. It was sick, because it, uh, it also, in a way... Not only do you have that nostalgia of Anakin, but in our mind up into this point, I know at least I was thinking it. I was like, wow, I really hope we get at least something of him as like Darth Vader. And yeah, it did. And it really showed kind of, especially in this moment that you're describing perfectly, you know, it was a different Anakin from like the beginning than one that we saw kind of in the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Like, he's more absolute, I guess is what I would say, which, how's that for a full circle fucking moment? Boy, only a Sith deals in absolutes. So, and, and you know, just like he told Ahsoka there, you know, I haven't taught you everything and hit the bottom, and it cut the ground, almost like fighting dirty in a way, or live or die, right? And it, it really kind of gave more that Darth Vader feel like this is him, like as he was like about to transition in a way, like we're getting that Anakin like towards the end of his Anakin phase. So it was awesome. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And I saw that. I'm like, yeah, let's fucking go. It just it was interesting because I think at this point that their, their missions together, that maybe this is the start of the deterioration of their relationship where. Soka started to maybe question Anakin's mindset, and I, th- I thought that was really cool. But uh, to, to jump back into it, the scene shifts back to the waves, and Jason is sitting on the stone pillar as well as Mom and Captain Teva are sweeping the area. And Carson Teva comes over the intercom and tells Hera there's nothing out there, so she tells him to widen the search. And Hera tells Hu Yang that Carson is right and soon that they could be stranded out there because their mission was unauthorized. They can't call for backup. They can't get the fuel reserves because they're not supposed to be there. And Era asks if there's a chance that Ahsoka and Sabine are still out there. And Hu Yang replies, always, especially with Lady Tano. So Hera asks Hu Yang what Ahsoka's master was like. And Hu Yang only responds with one word. He says, intense. And that's when Jason radios into his mom and tells her that Chopper thinks he has a reading at the 323 mark, 157, and that they'll have to get as low as they possibly can. From here, the scene moves back to the young young Ahsoka in the Clone Wars, and she's taking out a bunch of what look like Mandalorians. 
kind of you know interesting uh, full circle there. You know, and, and now she is upgraded from the single green lightsaber to two blue lightsabers. And Anakin tells Ahsoka that he doesn't know this battle. And we learn that it was the Siege of Mandalore, and that at this time Ahsoka had already parted ways with Anakin by then. And Anakin tells Ahsoka that she is part of a legacy passed down from master to apprentice. And Ahsoka complains that her part of that legacy is one of death and war. And Anakin responds back to her. He says, but you're more than that, because I'm more than that. And Ahsoka says, you are more, Anakin, but more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized. And Anakin asks, is that what this is all about? And Ahsoka says, if I am everything you are, Anakin says, you've learned nothing. And Ahsoka responds, don't say that. And Anakin replies back to her, back to the beginning. And Anakin walks a few steps ahead of her with his back to her. He says, I gave you a choice. Live. And he activates his lightsaber. And this time it's fucking red. And he turns around and his eyes are Sith red as well. And he, and he finishes the sentence, or die. And Ahsoka says, no. Anakin replies, incorrect. And he attacks Ahsoka again, and they battle it out, and Anakin kicks her through the surrounding mist, and she ran, lands back on the original platform that she was at at the beginning of the episode, that little strip uh, of whatever it is. It almost seems like glass in a way. And Anakin pursues her, and between the lightning flashes, she sees the silhouette of Darth Vader again in the suit. And Anakin, with the voice of Darth Vader, says, You lack conviction. And they continue their badass saber battle. And Anakin tells her, Time to die and cuts one of the sabers out of her hand and off the platform. And they cross sabers a few more times until Ahsoka rolls underneath and is able to take Anakin's saber away from him and holds it to his neck. But Ahsoka decides to deactivate the lightsaber and tosses it off the platform. And she says, I choose to live. And Anakin takes a couple steps away from her, closes his eyes, and when he reopens them, they are his normal eye color, no longer Sith red. And he smiles and says, there's hope for you yet. And she hears the thunder behind her. And when she turns around, Anakin was no longer there. And I'm going to pause here because this kind of reminded me of some of that Dumbledore at King's Cross type shit, man. Did that kind of give you the similar vibes there? Yeah, it was fucking awesome, man. It kind of, yeah, it was like, it made you think like, is this real or is this all in your head? And words from Albus himself, well... Of course it's in your head, Harry, but that doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> so it was fucking awesome, man. And, uh, you know, I was always wondering how he was going to get introduced if he was into Ahsoka. Because, you know, we're clearly have moved past his timeline at this point. And it was it was fucking great, man. It was really cool. Nostalgia at its finest chef's kiss. Absolutely. So to continue on here, the scene shifts over to the water and it's pooling around her and until she is submerged. And then from the surface, one of Carson Teo's crew is able to locate her and bring her aboard the ship. And she's semi-conscious and all she says is, Anakin. And from there, the camera pans to Jason waiting by the stone pillars and his mom returns with Ahsoka. Ahsoka wakes up and asks Huyang how long she's been out and he tells her one rotation and Hu Yang tells her that she might not have made it if it wasn't for Jason. She asks about Sabine, but they don't know, and that we're looking for Ahsoka to explain what happened. So Hu Yang gives Ahsoka the broken map. Ahsoka steps off the ship, thanks Jason for helping her out, and Jason tells her that he heard her fighting with lightsabers and asks who she was fighting against. She doesn't answer him, and Hera tells Jason that he should check out the Jedi starship with Hu Yang, and once they are out of earshot, Hera asks where Sabine is and Ahsoka said the last time she saw her was holding the map and that she used the force and now she's going to use the force to recreate an, maybe any impression that may have been made on the area so Ahsoka's able to get a broad idea of what happened and she realizes that Sabine is with Balin Skull and Morgan Elizabeth but on top of that she realizes that she went willingly and Hera says that they need to go after them, but Ahsoka tells her it's not that simple. And from here, Captain Teva tells uh, Harrison Duel that the, a fleet is on the way and he doesn't think that they're there to help. So Ahsoka looks around and locks her gaze on Sabine's Mandalorian helmet. And she looks up in the sky and sees flying Purgle above in the atmosphere. 
And at this point, the scene moves over to Hera communicating with the Chancellor. The Chancellor tells her that the Senator Committee is going to decide if her command is going to be permanently suspended or not. She tells Hera that she's going to need Ahsoka's testimony to help her out. Ahsoka walks in, tells them that she knows how to follow Sabine. Both Hera and Yang do not like the plan. And basically what the plan is, Ahsoka is going to ask the Purgle, which are the space whales, for you guys who are following along for the past couple episodes, if they know the location Ezra and Thrawn were sent and ask them for transportation. And basically they want to go inside the Purgle's mouth and just chill there until they get to the destination they're looking for. But they've got company, and a small fleet sent from the Republic shows up to bring Hera and Ahsoka in for questioning. And Hera gives Teva a command to knot them through because it could disrupt the pod and startle the Purgle. So the person who ends up leading this fleet, her name is Captain Gerard of the fleet. Uh, she arms the laser and gives Tava one chance to explain the nature of the mission before she has him stripped of his rank and also about to take other measures. So Captain Tava agrees to tell her, but warns her that she won't believe him. And from there, the scene moves over to Ahsoka, and Ahsoka does get the Purgle to agree to let them in their mouth and to transport them. And Huyang asks if they really know where Sabine was taken, and Ahsoka tells him that she has no idea. But they park their ship in the Purgle's mouth anyways, and the Purgle closes the mouth and continues on the path. And from here, Teva is finishing up telling the fleet command uh, Captain Gerard about Ahsoka's plan to have the Purgle transport them. Hera comes over the intercom and tells Captain Gerard that they should move their fleet out of the way of the pod of Purgle. And the captain does so in awe of what she's seeing. All these the pod of space whales just flying by, things that almost look a little too, uh, too crazy to be true. And then some closing dialogue between Captain Sindula, or General Sindula, and Ahsoka. Uh, Hera says, Ahsoka, it looks like they're about to jump. And Ahsoka replies, sorry, you can't make the trip. And Hera says, nah, it's all right. Jason's too young to travel between galaxies. And Ahsoka says, Hera, I'll find them. I promise. And Hera responds, may the force be with you. And at this point, all the Purgles start jumping into hyperspace. And that's how the episode ends. So... Chase, go ahead and give me your takeaways on this episode, what you thought about it, and all the good stuff. It was fucking awesome. It was one of my favorite episodes out of all of them. It was, and you know what's what's interesting? I try not to be like, man, it was my favorite for the nostalgia, but it fucking was. Like, it's kind of like Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, we know why that shit was successful. Let's not sit here and act like it was just amazing storyline. Like, we know why it was fucking successful. Like, you know, you may try, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is our fucking boy Hayden Christensen was in it, and I loved how they did it. I feel like this was either gonna be done bad or done really well and the transitioning and how they brought him in and also giving us glimpses of who we knew he became and we got that right in between Anakin uh, giving us that foreshadowing of we know what we remembered from the Obi-Wan series and how Anakin you know is fully Darth Vader but then you still wanted to see the old Anakin and bringing that nostalgia in and really this is like besides maybe like i know we kind of heard his voice and like rise of skywalker and and kind of stuff like that this is really the first time we got to see anakin as anakin again and i i love that they brought in even the clone wars we have not seen that like i know they have the show clone wars but we haven't seen that in live action any of that and we got to see the backstory of ahsoka and and I keep saying Hayden Christensen, but Anakin here. And I got to see those two literally on stage in the flesh together that we thought maybe we'd never see something like that. And you just had to fall through these little cop outs. So it's amazing. We kind of finally got to bridge the gap there and see kind of what happened. Um, and, and it was just perfect. Like everything in this episode, there was no plot problems uh every single thing it, it brought back perfect nostalgia uh star wars nostalgia while tying up loose ends with full circle moments that needed to be answered that also projected us towards our overall goal which is trying to get the good guys back in this game after we just got fucking blown out on uh on the away field so it was awesome man what about yours what are your uh, takeaways yeah, my takeaways were that 
the episode was really really fun from the beginning to the end even you know obviously the majority of what we wanted to see was as much of Hayden Christensen on screen as Anakin is possible but even in the times where it switched back to like Hugh Yang and Captain Sindula or General Sindula and her son and stuff like it, it still kept it interesting and still kept up with the plot line like the whole fact of we swept the area a bunch of times like there's nothing here and all of a sudden you got this kid that's got this force like ability and you're gonna wonder like what role that's gonna play in the future maybe even beyond this series itself so you have that in the back of your mind and he's you, you hear about another Jedi his name uh, Canon Jarrus and he's someone that plays an important role to other characters in the series too so everything about this was interesting and everything about this tied into the plot Telling him we're gonna sweep the area, we're gonna run out of fuel. You have another uh, another problem, losing out on the reserves and not getting any sort of help because you went on this mission unauthorized. So you know, yeah, even the times where it was not, you know, we obviously want to see as much of Anakin as we could on screen. Even the times where he wasn't, it was still engaging and still interesting and still keeping you like involved in the present, not just necessarily the nostalgia of the past. It's, it did a great job of you know walking that tightrope. It was really great. And then, you know, to, to speak on what we did see with the, the nostalgia aspect of Ahsoka as a, as a Padawan, that was so cool how it, it first drops her into the pink mist and she wakes up from that mist in, that, in the Clone Wars and she's a small childlike Padawan again. She's got that tiny green lightsaber and she's just following orders, but you see she's, she's starting to question things. And then she, we get another flashback. It's a little bit... Long, uh, forward where she had already parted ways with Anakin at this time and now she's got two blue lightsabers so she's graduated up another rank there and uh, and we also get to see that that is kind of get an idea like you said we don't really see much of the Clone Wars because it was an animated series so to see it in live action was pretty cool and in seeing it in live action we get to know and get an idea of the timeline that Anakin and Ahsoka were, were, were parted by this time so then obviously them going blow for blow back and forth like master and apprentice you know let's see what I've taught you if you've actually been able to implement that and you know like you mentioned too Anakin like playing that line between good and bad was fantastic with the fought a little bit dirty cut the platform out under beneath her you know he's he ends up turning full Sith we got the red saber he got the red eyes like he's he, he went full into it and you know it was all a, a test and a training for her to get the strength and the resolve to decide she needs to live. And, you know, the evil is going to come and it's going to be harder to stop if she's not there to take part in the battle for good. So he, I believe, intentionally did this. Uh, and again, we can argue if this actually happened. The, the weird part is if it didn't, how the heck did Jason hear the lightsabers smacking against each other underneath the waves? You know, that wouldn't make much sense if that it was just in her head. You know, so maybe he was able to get in tune with the spiritual realm. Maybe there was a level of purgatory. You know, we talk about that Dumbledore and King's Crossing in Harry Potter. Maybe that is like a level of purgatory and she had to fight her way out of purgatory to get back to the land of the living. And so Jason was able to censor in the spiritual realm because he's force sensitive. You know, that's, that's my uh, assumption in any event. But if that is the assumption and he did have a logical thought process behind what he was doing, he, I think he wanted to scare her a little bit and show her like, yeah, you know, like I am going to go full, full Vader here because this is what, you know, I might be gone, but evil still exists. And, you know, you're, you're fighting well here. Do you think, do you trust everyone else, everyone else on your team to be able to handle this without you? Like, yeah, you're, like, I think he was trying to show her that you're one of the people that can be a big factor in changing the tide of this battle if it comes to it. But not if you don't make it back there. He said, you're going to live or die. And I'm not taking it easy on you. Like, I'm, I'm legit going to try to take you out. And he, you saw him, like, nonstop, like, slashing down at her using, like, techniques and, and his maneuvers. And you got to see that he trained her very well. She, he, she was well-versed in his movements. They had sparred enough to where she even ended up getting the upper hand and ended up kicking him in the face. And that's when he's like, well, I haven't taught you everything. You know, I, 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 I kept it clean, but now let's, let's go, let's go a little dirty. And, you know, it boots her through the fucking mist back onto the platform later in the, the episode. And just, again, like I said, full evil. We got the full red saber, the full red eyes. She's not sure what the hell to think. And she, you know, she had to make the choice. Am I going to fight to survive 
Or dude, is, like, am I going to let my former master kill me here in this spiritual realm? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Am I actually going to die? Is that, you know, so like, I only have one option. I, I, he, he basically put a gun to her head and said, you're going to either, you know, sink or swim, baby. Let's go. What are you going to do? And, you know, she rose to the occasion. And it was beautiful to see. And, and that's why at the end when he's like, well, there's hope for you yet. He accomplished what he set out to do. And he put the, the will to survive into her. And it really, it, it, it was beautiful to see. And it's going to really shape the, the future of events that are to come. That, you know, if she ends up being the hero in taking out this next uh, faction of villains, we have Anakin Skywalker to thank. So that I, I would say, like my takeaways are, the episode was the best one in the series. I don't even care. I will say right now, it was the best episode in in season one of Ahsoka. And unless they do something really fucking cool in the remainder of the series, I just don't know how you top that. Like you did a really great job. It fit the plot line well. Everything was interesting. The parts that had Anakin in it were interesting. The parts that didn't have Anakin in it were interesting. It, it led. It's going to lead to. The, the, the big battles to come like it, it was just overall really well done so my takeaways were it, it was a it's close to a, a i don't want to say flawless but it was as an episode where you know you you're not going to have a lot of complaints about it you're going to enjoy it for what it was and man in terms of a specific piece of star wars work best one i've seen you know i'm going to take the obi-wan series going to take the the uh Mandalorian series going to take the Boba Fett series and take this series. This, this, I would stack this episode up against any episode. And like, if it's not number one, it's in the top three. So yeah, overall great, great shit there. And I'm not talking about the standalone movies. I'm not talking about the, the trilogy movies, but I'm talking about these, uh, spinoffs that have come on Disney plus since. But anyways, those are the takeaways that I have. Did you have any thoughts on that before we switch into your debates? Yeah. Uh, just based on what you're saying, that's what's, really think about this for a minute you mentioned like that level of purgatory and he kept saying live or die if you really think of that and really take it almost from like a literal perspective which most people probably wouldn't but say you really dive in deep into that statement and how we're saying you know uh what's his name jason the little kid could hear the lightsabers say they were stuck in purgatory and you know she had fallen off that cliff if he had beat her say she does actually die but she beats him and actually lives like what the hell like that's such a cool fucking statement to think about like let that mind screw you for a minute like holy shit that is fucking cool also uh just a thought on this too you know because we were talking about this last week how you know ahsoka really like even against Balin's skull she struggled because it's almost like she's been like, it's the first time she's really had to actually fight anybody that's really at par with her, I would say. That's really, like, I would say a threat, like a level of a threat, right? Well, now it's like, well, you know what? It's like, from Anakin's perspective, you know what? You needed an ass kicking, and you know what? You're going to go against the best of the fucking best, and we're going to see how it's done. Like, think of that. Like, you know what? I'm tired of you over here. Uh, kicking ass against droids thinking you're the shit and that's just what got your ass handed to you so now I'm going to put you in your place and decide what you want to do like think of that literally sink or fucking swim I'm tying boulders to your fucking ankles figure out how to untie it or this is it <laughs> like think of that for a minute what's your thoughts on that yeah I think that's exactly what happened he's like you lost a battle trust me you lost and to make sure that doesn't happen again that you are right now in a live or die situation where like, if you don't make it through this, who knows what's going to happen back there, but you're, you're moving on. So make a choice, make a choice, figure out a way to win this battle here. And, and I think in his mind, he's like, if you can beat me, if you can uh, like, um, make it so that way uh, you've neutralized my abilities to where I I'm unable to kill you or you, you put the blade to my throat. If you can do that to me, you can take on anybody. And I think that was a level of confidence he was trying to build in her. It's like, listen, like realistically, if Anakin wanted to, could he probably have killed her? Yes, I think so. But <laughs> my point being, was I think he, like, that was a level of training of instilling that confidence where, yeah, you may have lost a battle against someone you underestimated and he may be very talented, but if you can make it past me, and you can you can make your way out of here in this purgatory, you can handle anything life throws at you. So I think it was kind of like a, 
one of those lessons that, you know, she learned and, and, you know, we're going to see going forward how that may change her approach to battle and how, you know, she may improve or, you know, make better choices for the future. So, yeah, man, those are my thoughts on, on that. But uh, to transition into your debate, man, what do you got for us today? Yeah, man, my debate for today is because now that we've kind of seen some more of the backstory of like the Clone Wars and we had uh, Anakin like show up, here's the question is, do you think we're going to start now that we had like Anakin show up and we're finding out more about, you know, these other Jedis from the past and other masters? Do you think at some point in the series, this is kind of a two parter here, like, do you think that we're going to start to see, like, get more introduced to these characters that played a role in Ahsoka's past? Like, are we going to start to learn more about Ahsoka's past? And do we think it's going to play a role going forward and finding out more about who she is? Um, or do you think this is just kind of like we just kind of did this for nostalgia purposes? And uh, the second part of this isn't exactly too much related, but it's related. It's, uh, you know, we talked about how these TV series, like, you know, uh, we have Ahsoka here that's done phenomenal. We have Obi-Wan that did phenomenal. We had the Mandalorian, for the most part, has done great. But then you had, like, Rise of Skywalker that was, like, its own thing that was crazy. Like, what made you, what do you think was the thought process on why we wanted to step so much kind of into the past and start revealing more of the past. And do you think that's why um, these shows have been so successful that we're kind of, you know, on that timeline of kind of right around where it's, it's characters that relate to the old and the new, and we're not really as much going forward on the timeline, but we're kind of stepping in between here. So I think for Ahsoka specifically, we're bringing in characters that are integral to her past because if you don't watch the Clone Wars, you don't really know much about her. And maybe some people won't watch the Clone Wars because it's animated and maybe they don't consider it canon or that it's part of the, the proper timeline. Or maybe it's just hard to get into since it's not live action and all we've really seen from great Star Wars works are usually when it is live action. So I think it's more or less giving us a... Uh, a foundation to even if we don't know all the details and the ins and outs of the clone wars like i don't know if we're ever going to get like a, a clone wars live action series or anything like that but i think it's giving us a foundational idea of ahsoka's past so we can understand her a little bit more and understand what she's gone through uh how the relationship between her and her four master changed and maybe as the series goes on we'll even start to look at her past of, to when she was brought on by anakin as the secret apprentice that that she was so i think it's more along the lines of specifically for ahsoka that we maybe nostalgia has something to do with it but i think it's to give the audience a foundational basis of who ahsoka is because outside of what we're seeing here on screen we don't really know much about her if you especially if you've never watched the clone wars you know next to nothing about her so i think it's more for educational purposes and, and to give people a, a, a basis of where she started from and where like how she got to where she is today. So I think that's necessary. I think that's more along the, the lines of that where it, for Obi-Wan and for the Mandalorian, it's hard for me to say because the Obi-Wan series was essentially what, 10 years after the events of revenge of the Sith. So it was still because, you know, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor just kind of looked exactly the same as he did in Revenge of the Sith as Obi-Wan. And uh, Vader was in his absolute prime. Like he had the, the shoe was still the suit was still shiny and new and all gadgety and stuff. So that may have been more like a nostalgia piece to it. But I also think that was more sent to be an introduction to Leia Organa and then seeing where she kind of takes off and becomes who she is in the future episodes. Well, I say future episodes, but the past episodes, the original trilogy, even though the timeline as well in the future. So it's the, the, the Obi-Wan series. I think that's was meant to be more of an introduction to Leia and a, and a closure resolution between the, the why Obi-Wan went into hiding 
after all those years. And, you know, he had his, his many run-ins with Vader along the way, and we got to see that. So uh, then when he came out of hiding and found Luke in The New Hope, it, I think that was just more of a, of a bridging of the gap there and, and pieces of nostalgia. Now, for The Mandalorian, I think The Mandalorian, it's it's something different. It was something new. We, we get to follow like a new species in, in, I don't want to say species, but a new race. And uh, we get an idea of their creed and what's important to them. Instead of just following Jedi the whole time and seeing a bunch of saber battles, we get to see uh, viewpoints from other individuals that we may not have thought about. You know, the first time we see anything that looks like a Mandalorian was, what was it, Jango Fett in, in The Phantom Menace or Boba Fett in the original trilogy? So it's it's one of those things where I think it's it's an introduction to other pieces of the Star Wars universe that will gain attention and not just focus on certain things, but will potentially draw back to nostalgic events. Because even in The Mandalorian, we brought in Luke Skywalker, you know? So maybe we'll bring in Jedi's here and there just to get the wow and shock factor. But I think it will be more of a, a futuristic type episode where we look at other things outside of what we've always seen from Star Wars, which is, I think, a big reason people really enjoy The Mandalorian. So I think there's different reasons for each, but for Ahsoka and why I think it, it ties back a lot, I think, I think it's just to really draw a foundational basis of, of who she was and why she is the way that she is and kind of gives an insight to her past. That's what I think about for that series there. But I don't know. Do you want to provide your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so too. I think it, uh, I think to a degree, I mean, I think that's why you kind of are able to captivate all audiences. Like, I think it would be awesome to kind of see, like, maybe Yoda, like, in the ghost form or something pops up at some point. Like, it would be cool to see something like that as nostalgia. But I do kind of think, like, I don't know if it's, like, exactly like a one off, but it's kind of like when we saw Qui Gon Jinn at the very end of obi-wan like it's kind of like probably i don't think this is gonna ever happen too often but i do think it's really cool to see into ahsoka's past and my opinion is i think we'll probably see a little bit more into it as the series goes on that could possibly open up the role for new characters to be introduced um so i think that would be an interesting aspect from it i think to answer my own question as far as why have these TV series been more successful than like doing the movies as so as like where they were going on the timeline? I wonder if it's, I I don't think it's even as much as just classic nostalgia. Like I feel like they've definitely take their time to build the world around it and to actually understand it as opposed to like that new, uh, here's a prime example, you know, the, new sequel series that they had they tried to capture the nostalgia by you had harrison ford as you know han solo and you had carrie fisher as leia and stuff and it worked for like a split you know 30 minutes on screen but like you really didn't build like the momentum to make for instance like ray like i didn't give a two shits about ray like it's not that i'm like against ray or anything but like i have no care about that whereas like ahsoka here like i'm really pulling for her to like rise up against these things and and try to you know accomplish her goal and i feel like that was the problem with the old you can't even say old like the new old sequel series or whatever it is is like it's kind of like we talk about fantastic beast and why it failed and why we won't cover it it's like because it's like no one gave a shit about that like well like where was my investment in that and i feel like they've definitely taken the time to make you care about these characters that you really don't know well like for instance ahsoka like we got this building the bridge here with Anakin and it brought in the old and the new, but now the audience kind of feels like attached in a way to these characters where you want to grow with them because it takes like a piece of that. Whereas like with Ray, yeah, you saw like Han Solo there, but it's like, they just appeared on screen. Like there was no building of that, no investment in why you care about these people. And I feel like that's like one thing the TV series has done well. So uh, I think 
basically, in my opinion, I think these TV series that have really brought us back into the past a little bit are the only thing to really save it because, uh, like, bringing us back, yeah, when having nostalgia is one thing, but really being able to bring back an element of um, that familiarity but investing the audience in the lore around it is what makes it so different to care. And if it wasn't for these series, I think the Star Wars franchise would probably tank for a while. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think the biggest issue with the sequel series is there was no sense of direction because they decided to put in two different directors who had different ideas of where they wanted to go. You can't have J.J. Abrams uh, on the the first one there, The Force Awakens, and then jump into this other director then have Abrams try to close it out. Like, it, yeah, dude, it was, it was almost like they were battling each other and one trying to fix what they thought was wrong with the other ones. Like, I just don't understand why they did that. I feel like if you had a continuity and you, and you just went with one person's vision, it may have been successful, may not have been successful, but I think it would have been a lot better than the hot garbage we got. That's what I'll say about that. But in any event, <laughs> uh, yes, to the, to the most part, I do agree that they did a good job of, of making sure that you drew an emotional connection to the characters and uh, did a great job of reminding people why you liked Star Wars in the first place. Some of the creatures that they bring back are very similar to what we've seen. You know, the people playing a, a prominent role that may be more of a cameo, but still playing a prominent role to push the the envelope forward for the next generation. I think that is something that's done very well in this series where, again, it just was there's it just really lacked in the sequel series. So, yeah, dude, like, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I just, just to add on to it, the, I just think it was a big lack of actual not even just I like like uh, a journey direction but also a lack of direction from the directors because they were <laughs> I think at odds with each other and couldn't figure out a way to cohesively do that and I don't even think that's necessarily their fault like what the whose decision was that to be like hey guys you know what'd be really cool if like you start something then you go in the middle of it and then you finish it again and like like each of them wanted to add their own twists and takes on what they thought Star Wars was and then you got the the middle like, like the the guy who did the second one part of the the sequel being like oh well you know I, I kind of want to take it in this direction and then JJ Abrams at the end like well no I want to pull it back here where I was initially going and it just all looked weird like they fucking killed off Snoke so damn quick like what the hell was the point of him always with this big <laughs> Emperor Snoke this guy is going to be the new big bad oh no actually we got we're going to kill him in, in in this one here so good luck JJ what are you going to do now that your big bad's gone JJ well I guess we're going to have to bring back Palpatine like you know what I mean like this is some bullshit <laughs> dude like I don't know I, I don't, I'm done trashing the sequels it's just one of those things where uh yeah, I think it, we've got two individuals who are very invested in the Star Wars universe who like to work together to watch it succeed and John Favreau and Dave Filoni, and they've done a remarkable job, in my opinion, to this point. So, yeah, that, that's what I got on that end. Yeah, just a, a quick comment on that. Like, that's a, yeah, I, I mean, I agree totally with the director's perspective, but in terms of this exact question to... Uh, give a little bit of my thoughts on it too is like I feel like they tried to do it with the nostalgia like what they did here by throwing Palpatine in but then it's like it made no sense it'd be like you throw in Anakin last episode and he just appeared at the sacred grounds and you'd be like why the fuck did you do that like the difference is in this series it made sense for just like you said piggybacking off of that like it, it progressed this story and i think that's what made it so great versus you know you're just trying to capitalize on cash because you're throwing in old characters that people recognize palpatine came in and it was everyone's like okay no one gives a fuck about that now like I, i'm actually done at this point same thing if if we had saw anakin just randomly show up on a spaceship you're like wow dude like come on like that didn't give us any any progression made no sense we can tell what you're trying to do here but yeah man what are your debates for the day my debate is going to be centered around Hera's son jason where do we think he goes from here is he gonna end up becoming a jedi apprentice because he's he's obviously got force capabilities and he actually seems pretty in tune with them for his age he's able to hear these things you know we, we, we saw 
uh, talking about the sequels, we saw Ray struggle with all this stuff. We saw, you know, we saw how hard it was for Grogu to start mastering any level of the Force. You know, this kid doesn't really have any formal training. His dad was Canon Jarrus, who's been long dead. And, you know, the other, all the only other Jedi he's been around has been Ezra Bridger, who's been, you know, off into some other galaxy. So he took Thrawn with him to keep everyone safe. So he's kind of developed these. It almost reminds me in Dragon Ball Z. Remember when, like, uh, Goten and Young Trunks were, like, out of nowhere went Super Saiyan? <laughs> like, you, they just figured out how to do it on their own. Where, you know, Goku, he had to get to the very brink of, of his power to, you know, get, you know, saw Krillin die. He saw his best friend get killed by Freeze in front of him. And that flipped the switch to, okay, now I've got to hit this next level. Where, same thing with Vegeta. He thought it was all lost and broken. Then he hit that next level. Where these kids, they didn't even, they're just kind of messing around. They're like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And it just happened for him. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's almost like him, I guess. He's going to be like this prodigy. You know, he, he had a level of of mastery over the force that people his age just don't have especially with no formal training so i guess my question to you is is what is the future going to be like for jason is he going to be the next big jedi where do you think he goes from here in his character arc he really could be i mean it is really uh interesting it kind of makes you think of almost like in episode one when Qui-Gon Jinn noticed the Metachlorian count of Anakin and he was just like a pod racer at the time. Of course, that went the way no one wanted it to go. But it really makes you wonder, like, um, I think this kid very well could be, uh, which brings a very interesting perspective. I think this kid very well could be, you know, like the next... I mean, based on what he's showing, I'm not afraid to say it. I mean, maybe he could be the next Luke. Like, I don't know. I mean, we didn't even see Luke do that at a young age. I mean, remember Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan, had to go and kind of pull him out of... He was working in, like, a scrapyard or <laughs> wherever he was. He was, like, kind of, like, you know, went over there with his land speeder. My stormtroopers are everywhere. I was like, hey, this is who you are. This kid, like, already has you know glimpses of of things that we're not even sure that's real that people are really having to listen to to see if they are would you got to have force potential to even be able to do that so he very well could be i think that'd be awesome i mean say you know years in the future right like maybe that's like the next uh group right maybe you get in contact with grogu again and you have like these two like you know saving the world who who really knows but then that brings up another perspective that i was thinking out uh, thinking about on your debate here is who the fuck would train this kid then <laughs> you gotta go get luke skywalker i mean we see ahsoka has potential and you know she trained with anakin but she's <laughs> we were saying last week i don't even know if you would put her at like mid-grade at this point and you want her to train train a kid that possibly would like out you know outshine her tremendously like how far does it go that's almost like the whole dinjarin situation with grogu right like how far does it go at that point i mean you know we hear word of these other people that possibly could like you know uh, and, and stuff that's in this series but I mean, I just don't see anyone in this series that has the respectability to train someone like that that's already seeing signs of that. I mean, everyone freaks out over the child, Grogu, because of the species he is, probably because, you know, <laughs> Luke, we know who trained Luke besides Ben Kenobi, right? And, I mean, there's a obviously a sense of astonishment there when you hear that. But... To hear someone's already having signs like this at such a young age, it makes you wonder, like, who in the entire galaxy could do that? Certainly not Ahsoka. She's over there struggling against Balin's skull and almost getting almost getting owned by Mara because she got lucky. <laughs> so I mean, I don't I don't know, man. That's but yeah, I think he very well could be a force. I think it would take a long time and I think it would take the right person. Uh so I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts. I think he, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he very well could kind of become like the next like lead here in a way, but it would take the right person. Otherwise, hopefully this isn't just one of those things where some random person's like, oh yeah, he has Jedi potential. And then 
the next season's like, what happened to that kid? Oh, he's, he's still on that planet. You know, doesn't matter. Back to what we were talking about. Balin Skull. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, yeah, what are your thoughts? I think that he certainly could be a lead the uh, contributor moving forward as he grows. And it reminds me a lot, actually, of Anakin when they found him on Tatooine. And he was a pod racer, a prodigy in his own right. Uh, you know, and we saw him grow into that weird, awkward in-between stage. And then to the prime Anakin. And, you know, I can kind of see something similar with, with this kid. I'm not, I obviously, I've got no way of telling what his Metaclorian count is, if it's anything similar to Anakin. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be the next Anakin. I'm just simply saying that what he's shown so far has been really impressive for no formal training to have a level of control over it. Cause we've seen powerful individuals who became who are at this level of legendary status need the formal training to even get to that point. So it's just really cool what he's been able to do almost on accident just by a natural ability. So it'd be really interesting to, to think about that going forward. And I guess the other part is you ask who would train this guy. Uh, well, if, if in fact, Balin Skull holds good to his word and helps uh, Sabine find an, a certain individual, maybe that individual would take over that responsibility because I, I think that there's a level of connection there. And I think, you know, if anyone's able to banish and exile General Admiral Thrawn to another galaxy, that person probably is someone you want to learn from. So I, I think that that's definitely a uh, potential. I think that's... Uh, I don't think it's far-fetched at all to think that there are at least a few that could do it. And then we still have got other, you know, Jedi out there that maybe have not been introduced just yet as well that, you know, going forward, we can kind of see what may happen. But I do think that he's definitely primed to take a a lead contributor role into the next big conflict. Obviously he's going to need time. He's going to need 10 plus years to train, but he's on a fast track already. Uh, He's able to do these things that most people can't do. You're going to be able to sense a battle in a whole different realm. Like realistically, physically, where was Ahsoka laying in the fucking water? Like, yeah, maybe she she went to that different plane, the spiritual plane, but he was able to listen and, and go past the physical realm into the spiritual realm at whatever age he is. I don't know, six, seven, eight, and without anyone around them to kind of guide him, teach him how to do that. It's pretty remarkable, man. So I definitely think this kid is, a, is some sort of prodigy and he's well beyond his years of ability, especially without having anyone to teach him. So... Yeah, I think that he is primed to take a, a lead contributor role, and I think there may be one or two people out there who could help him reach that potential because who knows what the next war is going to be. I'm sure it's going to lead into something insane, and we're going to need the next uh, chosen one. And who knows? Maybe he's it. Maybe he's not. But the uh, the question the question's there, man. The question's there. He's done things that really shouldn't be able to do, at his age and and that's where i'll leave it at yeah no that's a a fantastic point i i'm totally on board it's interesting to see maybe you know bringing it back full circle to what i said maybe that's how you tie it into ray skywalker maybe they bring ray sky i thought ray skywalker was the chosen one based on all the shit they were trying to pull years ago but no i got faith in you man i I think this kid can literally save the franchise and save the galaxy (laughs) but no great point i'll let you close this out jane ellie any final thoughts yeah, right before it closes us out, to just to talk about that a little bit. First off, we talk about this Ray Skywalker nonsense. Dude, she's Ray Palpatine. She just decided she was going to change her name. She like she <laughs> like made that own decision on her own side. Like yeah, at the end of the day, we know who who your daddy was, and it was not any of the Skywalkers. All right, you're you're Ray fucking Palpatine, and doesn't matter how many times you try to convince us that you're not. That is. Who you were born from. Yes, you didn't end up making the same decisions and fall down the same dark path as your ancestors. That's great. Fantastic job. Does not change the fact of what your bloodline came from. You made a choice and you stuck with it. Amazing. 
you are not Ray Skywalker. You are Ray Palpatine, and you're gonna you're gonna fucking enjoy it. No, but in any event, uh, it's it is it does bring up a good point and a good question that you mentioned that maybe if she was kind of portrayed as the chosen one, but we had so many big problems with how that was brought about. It's almost like it was forced on us, and it wasn't like natural. Where this almost feels more natural, where Ray she's never fought a battle in her life, and she fought. Kylo Ren, who's been training his whole life to a standstill, her very first time trying? Like, get the fuck out of my face, dude. Like, absolutely not. You see how this uh, series, Ahsoka, when Sabine Wren fought Shinati for the first time? We didn't see Sabine Wren just whoops Shinati's ass who's been trained forever. No. What ended up happening is Sabine Wren got that asshole because she wasn't trained and she had no idea what she was up against. But the sequel tried to convince us that Ray just was going to fight Kylo Ren do a standstill, very first time out there, no battle experience, just, you know, some level of uh, a good hand-eye coordination with a stick. All right? <laughs> like, I just, I'm, I'm sick of this shit. But, sorry, I did say earlier that I was done trashing the sequels. I was not. Now, I am done trashing the sequels. But, yes, yeah, so go ahead and, and, and take it away, my man. What were you going to say? Uh, this is my last time trashing the sequels. First, I'll just say, yeah, no training, and she was jumping over starships doing backflips? What the fuck? And this, you know, we're all into, like, history here and, like, where people came from and stuff. Who the fuck was her mom? And Palpatine was her father. I don't think I've ever recalled Palpatine ever, like, meeting a partner. Like, he was, like, just in the... And where the fuck was Palpatine's real training on a real note? Like, I know he fought Yoda but, and had, like, the lightning and shit. But last time I checked, he just became an actual witcher monster in the Senate. <laughs> After taking on her Anakin. If anything, Anakin probably, like, drained his ass. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Like, who the fuck in their right mind, like, decided, like, just, just, this is my last time trashing the sequels, because we don't want to beat a dead horse, but who the fuck, like, just decided she's a Palpatine? <laughs> like, just, like, you could have chose anything, and it's just like, yeah, like, even if she fights Palpatine, and that's who she is, like, okay, like, that's her grandfather. How the, when the fuck did Palpatine have kids? <laughs> that's I don't know, man. Thoughts on that? When the fuck did Palpatine have children? Yeah, I've got no idea when he was doing the dirty and making some love to some woman on the side. I got no clue. You know, that was never brought up. Maybe he uh, did some mind control and, and forced it to happen, and that just kind of ended up being the result. Who knows? It was never explained, but we know where babies come from. But my biggest thing is, like, yeah, Palpatine was trained by Dark Plagueis. And that's he was found in secret, and he ended up gaining the the, the title of Chancellor, and he had the, the you know, so it's not something that it just it was on accident. No, it was it was planned, and it ended up working out very well for for the dark side on that end of it with Palpatine. But to go back to the whole where the heck did Ray come from sort of deal? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Like, obviously, what we got to see with Anakin and, and Padme, that's where Luke and Leia were born. So we got to see them together. So that made sense. You know, I don't think we ever saw Obi-Wan settle down with anyone. I don't know if Obi-Wan ever had any children. But you're going to tell me that this evil warlord who, I don't know. I just don't, I don't understand where, where that would have happened. But the only thing I could think of is that he used some sort of uh, dark side mind control behavior to to procreate so that way he had a lineage behind him so that way he wasn't the last of the Palpatine. So when he finally did kick the bucket, they could, they can kind of continue his evil work. That's the only thing I could think of. But at that point, wasn't that the whole deal of having Darth Vader as your apprentice to do that shit? I don't know, man, but <laughs> it's just, it's just super, super weird. Cause then you don't even know like, at what point did he have the, the, the kids because was it after Darth Vader had died and Darth Vader threw him down the whole shaft? I just don't know where where the continuity comes in and, and how that makes sense. But I, I you got to assume that he, he did it while Vader was still alive or else, you know, I don't know how you go about that act. And, you know, if he did while how Vader was still... How did Ray even wind up out there? Sorry I, to interrupt you, but that just popped in my head. Like, remember she was just on that planet. At least we know Luke and Leia were brought to where they were supposed to be. She just happened to be there. 
Oh, mother sold her for drinking money. I don't know, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Your mother sold you for drinking money. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where I guess we just have to accept it for what it is. But the whole thing is if you wanted to continue your line of evil work, that was what your apprentice was for. So if you did it while Darth Vader was still alive, what was the point of having Darth Vader? And then if you did it after Darth Vader died, like how did you do it? Because you went, you got thrown down a fucking shaft. Like you got you got like tossed and you couldn't move. So I don't really look, man, I don't I don't have the answers, but I just I'm very that's another and that's kind of half the problem is that we don't have the answers to these kind of simple questions where with so far with these series that have come out, we can pretty much answer what we've seen to a, a level of understandability where the sequels kind of put us in a real bad spot of, um, I guess we just got to take this for what it is. Yeah, cool. I guess Ray's going to do backflips in day one of training. And I guess that, you know, we're going to fight this really talented Sith Lord who was trained by Luke Skywalker to a standstill our very first try. Like what? Dude? Like, I don't know, man. So to, uh, to you know, bring it round full circle it's just I think we were left with uh, something of like we were forced that that like her being the chosen was forced upon us where it seems more natural with how this kid has shown abilities way beyond his years without any sort of help and I think it feels like I said more natural in, in that sense what do you what do you think about that yeah my last question before we close out like is with this kid and the potential he can go through, right? Uh, and bring it full circle, like, you know, the mistakes the new sequel trilogy has. Down the road, if you bring in, say, people like this new kid and from these TV series that we're starting to get attached to, and then you kind of merge that, like, say you did bring Ray back and you start answering some questions, is this, can you make this canon... So that then the movies are salvageable where then you can make it make sense. Do you think it's possible or we're just going to have to take it at happenstance that we're going to believe what that is? Or do you think it is actually possible as the overall Star Wars franchise and how they've kind of redeemed themselves over these years with these TV series that are so great versus with what they did and kind of, you know, totally redeemed yourself, Dumb and Dumber style. Like, do you think you can merge this to make it seem canon as one flowing timeline? I have to assume that's what their uh, goal is, but I know what I saw on screen. You ain't gonna try to, you ain't gonna try to <laughs> fool me. Like, I saw what I saw and ain't none of that. I don't know. You, you can, yeah, dude, you can pee on me, but you're not gonna tell me it's rain. So, like, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit here. Like, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know, man. I, it's just. There's not really a way. I, I mean, I'm sure they could spin something, but in the back of my mind, I'm always gonna be like, I know what y'all motherfuckers try to do. Like, y'all try to get me to believe this nonsense here, and it was not cohesive at all. And I just gotta go along with it because you guys try to make it make sense at the end. So yeah, it probably that, that's probably the overarching goal, and that's probably what they're gonna do with Game of Thrones too when they start bringing out all these different spinoff series like the Snow series and all that, and answer all the prophecy questions that they just conveniently left out of the whole series so they can finish it up. So, which is hilarious because the whole point was so that way those two guys could write Star Wars. But anyways, <laughs> but fucking anyway. Full circle at its finest. Fuck uh, that up. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I, I think that's what they're going to try to do. But like, I'm not buying it. You can, you can try to sell it, but I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Love shopping, not buying your bullshit. Last statement. I want you to make it a debate or anything before we close out is... Just imagine, though, imagine if they still went along with it and hired Dan and Dave to write these series. Because they were going to write the first one, which was supposed to be, we didn't know it was going to be Mandalorian at the time. Whatever it was, like, they were given the uh, the first, like, they were the ones that were chosen to write the first TV series of whatever it was for this Disney Plus stuff. And then got dropped with the backlash of what we saw to one of our favorite franchises uh, which we know that we talk on this show don't want to beat a dead horse, but do you think they would have... Like, imagine how fucked up this would have been if they wrote it <laughs> going on nothing. Like, what do you think? Well, I don't think good things. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, with that, I'll let you close this out. I had to say it. <laughs> 
Sounds good, brother. So, guys, if this is the first time that you've tuned in to us, we really hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you have joined us from the very beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. And if you want to figure out where you can find us, we're on all the social sites. We're on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. We're on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. We have a backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We've got a backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We're on Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We're on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy. We are on Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. And we also do have our own website, RidiculousPatronus.blogspot.com. So if you guys go ahead and find us there, click like, subscribe, follow along, leave comments, leave star ratings, leave written reviews. All of the engagement really helps us here at the show tremendously. And in terms of where you can find the podcast, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. We're also on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Audible. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. We're on Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy are there. But you're out for the day because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.